Hello, and welcome to My Fair Money, the impact investing podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Two Degrees Investing Initiative, which wants to align financial markets with the Paris Climate Goals and AWE Studio. We're here to demystify the world of impact investing and show you how to grow your wealth while making the world a little bit better. Disclaimer. This podcast gives the floor to external experts who are sharing their own opinion. We are not in the business of giving investment advice. For 2DII's views on each topic, please visit the My Fair Money blog. Welcome back. My name is Kirill Hartog. I'm a journalist, media entrepreneur, and an amateur investor myself, and I'm still your host for this podcast. This is our very last episode, and it feels pretty wild that we're wrapping things up already, but we've learned so much along the way. I mean, I know, at least I have. In this final episode, we're going to look back at the series, sum up the key concepts we've covered, and get a little philosophical about impact investing, of course, with the help of our amazing guests. We kicked off the series with Impact Investing One-on-One, short introduction to the basics. Nicolas Koch from 2DII explained why retail investors and their savings actually have a huge potential to have an impact on the world. Uh, Actually... Private investors, retail investors in Europe owns one third of all financial assets. So that is a big bunch of money. It's over 30 trillion euro. We also talked about how exactly the financial system can help the climate. And the answer is there are three main ways. As retail investors, we can provide funding for sustainable projects that drive innovation in key industries, but that have difficulties accessing funding. We can also incentivize sustainable projects, sometimes by accepting lower returns and lower liquidity. And thirdly, we can use our influence as company shareholders as a lever to push companies to do better. We also talked about different types of investors in the sustainable finance industry. There are those that put impact first, and their ultimate objective is to change the behavior of companies, while there are others that want their investments to align with their values. And then there are those who want to integrate ESG risks and opportunities in their investment decisions to basically make smarter decisions. What type are you? Let us know via email or on social media. In episode two, we focused on impact. Our guest, research associate Lisa Scheitzer, explained the three key concepts related to impact. First, the concept of additionality, which is when the outcome of your actions goes beyond what would have happened anyway. Then Lisa explained the meaning of intentionality, which is that impact should not be achieved by accident and asset managers should have a clear theory of change on how to achieve impacts in the companies they're invested in. Lastly, we learned about impact measurement, which is pretty easy on the company level, for instance, by measuring its CO2 emissions. But measuring the exact impact of your investment for now is not easy at all. We also talked about the differences between company impact and investor impact. Actually, it's only companies that have a direct impact um, on real world outcomes. And investors, on the other hand, they can only have an impact through companies. And we, as retail investors, can have an impact in two different ways, either by enabling growth. Investor can have a great amount of impact on the growth of opportunities um, of a company um, through the investments they make or by encouraging companies to change their behavior. So investors could have an impact on companies by encouraging brown companies um, to improve their company impact. So they might be able to green those companies. And very importantly, we establish the fact that impact is very difficult to quantify and measure. Also, some types of investments have a bigger impact potential than others, but often there's a trade-off, namely less return on your investment 
and or a higher risk of losing it. For episode three, we were joined by Mikael Mango from 2DII, who talked about the different types of financial products. Basically, all the different ways in which retail investors like you and me can put their money to work. So you can keep your money in a deposit or savings account in a bank, or you can buy stocks, uh, you can buy investment fund shares, or you can buy bonds on the public market. Or you can go to a private market and engage in crowdfunding platforms or buy private equity. We established that if you want to maximize your investor impact, you should aim for private market investing, focusing on startups, SMEs, which by now you know are short for small and medium enterprises, and smaller projects in general that have a higher likelihood of having impact. Most probable case where you're going to provide additional, additional funding is when you invest in private market funds. Let's say private equity funds or private debt funds, because they are specialized in companies that are pretty small and that really need your money. In episode four, we continued our conversation with Mikael, moving on to risks and trade-offs that retail investors have to face when choosing where to put their money. And the two main types are market risk. Market risk is the risk of losing some money due to the fluctuations of price in the financial markets. And liquidity risk. Which is a risk that an investor cannot sell an asset or a financial product at the moment of his choosing, we established that when it comes to delivering impact, there's an inherent dilemma that retail investors should be aware of, which is the following. Quite often, if you want to have an impact, you need to settle for lower returns or accept a higher risk without getting more profits. However, this doesn't mean that impact investing cannot be highly profitable. In our fifth episode, we covered a really important topic, which is greenwashing in the investment industry. I invited Thies Geisel, an investigative journalist, on the show to talk about how he and his team tracked 619 million euros of investments all across Europe, only to find out that 50% of the so-called dark green investment funds were in fact still investing in fossil fuels. However, these dark green investments are targeted at value-aligned investors who really just want to invest in truly green companies. This is why they should not be confused with impact investments. If you're a value-aligned investor and you're curious what your money is really being invested in, you can check our fund database on myfairmoney.eu. Now, in that same episode, Jacqueline van den Ende, who's the founder of an investment fund called Carbon Equity, showed us how she and her colleagues select which funds to invest in, scoring them from 1 to 5 and going through a rigorous compliance procedure to make sure they can really deliver impact and aren't just greenwashing. We invest in, let's say, 10 funds out of 1,000 a year, so 1% of the funds. And those funds need to be the 1% best-in-class climate impact funds. And secondly, they need to be able to deliver yeah, uh, uh, strong financial returns, right? So we are looking for that intersection of the ability to deliver financial returns and, um, and, and impact. In episode six, we asked Lisa Scheidza to come back on the show to us to talk through impact washing, which is when companies and funds make misleading claims to attract impact investors. And the key takeaway here was don't blindly trust the words impact or any related promises in the name of a financial asset and be aware of online impact calculators that claim to have all the answers. In other words, do your due diligence. Of course, the EU is making efforts to fight impact washing. But for now, they're not nearly enough. Um, I think 
the issue is that at the, the moment we don't have an impact label out there, right? So, I mean, there, there, there are very different labels out there, um, ESG labels, sustainability labels, but they do not necessarily measure and certify impact. This means the responsibility lies with us, impact-driven retail investors who need to do their own research and choose very carefully where to put our money. Luckily, there are resources out there to help you do just that, like the recently published My Fair Money database, where you can get details about a whole range of financial products with high impact potential. In episode seven, we talked about investor stewardship with Juliet and Dan from a think tank called Influence Map. They explained why the so-called investor stewardship is potentially a very effective way to deliver impact, especially on secondary markets. Asset managers of investment funds, for instance, can push a company into a greener direction by engaging with its board directly and by voting at the annual shareholder meetings and using their shares as leverage. Ultimately, if the company doesn't live up to its commitments, impact-oriented asset managers can use escalation techniques all the way up to divestment, or basically withdrawing their money. Influence Map's research on the world's most powerful asset managers showed that most of them still need to do better when it comes to pushing for sustainable transformation. There was also some good news. Uh, I would definitely say that uh, in general, European asset managers are um, are doing um, a much better job at <laughs> climate stewardship than their North American counterparts. By the way, you can find all these stewardship scores that were documented by Influence Map on the My Fair Money database, where you can see exactly which asset managers have the most credible climate stewardship activities. Wow, this recap made me realize just how much we've actually covered in this show. Still, there are some things we didn't include in the episodes, which I think are very valuable and I'd like to share them with you. For instance, I asked Jacqueline whether she thought making small, greener choices in everyday life has more impact than investing large sums of money into sustainable companies. My thesis is we need everything all at once. We need to invest better. We need government action. We need carbon taxes. And we need companies to hardcore invest in a climate transition. And we need consumers to make better choices. So I did once hear somebody saying like, oh, it's so good. I became a member of this carbon offset uh, program and I pay 20 euros a month and I can continue my life uh, the way I was living it because now I'm already offsetting my carbon. That is exactly the wrong way of thinking about this. So I think that's a dangerous mindset and I really want to help people understand that. Also, technology is not going to save the world. Even if I do what I do, I see it as part of the solution set, but absolutely not as the complete set of solutions. I think uh, technology will need to go hand in hand with reduced consumption. I recently had somebody say, I asked him, like, you know, how concerned are you about climate change? And he said three in a scale of 10. And I asked him why, and he said the reason was that he felt it was sort of meaningless, what, you know, whether he flew or recycled, he said, he said it's a drop in the ocean. Whereas he might be factually correct, I really disagree with that uh, mindset because it's going to get us into the lose-lose sort of quadrant of the prisoner's dilemma. We really need to take personal responsibility, which doesn't mean that we should entirely quit doing what we're doing. Like, I'm not per se against flying or even eating meat or uh, investing in uh, non-clean uh, tech assets, uh, that is okay. But my main ask is that we make better choices. 
and we think a little bit better, we make more conscious choices, we do our best to fly less, we do our best to eat less, we try our best to invest better, our carbon equity slogan is, and do good by investing better. I think the, the footprint that we have uh, in Europe is entirely unsustainable. So I think we're going to have to live more simple lives, even if we have all the technologies to do things in a more carbon neutral way because we're still going to run into planetary boundaries, which is crowding out uh, the rest of species on human earth, which will lead to the collapse of entire biodiversity ecosystems. It will lead to um, simply exhausting the resources of our planet. So technology is only one part of the solution set. I also wanted to share with you an excerpt from our conversation with Mikael, where he talks about impact investing and behavior. You might remember in episode three when he said that we are all brainwashed. Now, this is what he meant. When people are uh, thinking about uh, managing their personal finance, they put them into a financial mode and they tend to favor return over the rest. But if we start to think differently about uh, investing, saving and all the personal finance stuff, I think people could change the way they are making the trade-offs. I do have a behavioral economics background and I can say that mindset is key. Uh, in behavioral sciences, we have observed that uh, people, the same person, can behave very differently based on the mindset that is uh, activated by a context. Uh, in, in behavioral uh, sciences, they are very uh, comfortable with techniques that manipulate pers- people's decisions by just changing the terms of the decisions to be made or the context in which the decision has to be made. And that kind of techniques of manipulation techniques are called priming. Priming is uh, a way to put you into a certain mode by making you think at something specific. And then because you will try to search for a certain coherence, you will end up doing things differently. Uh, I can give you an example. Uh, If I ask you to think about luxury goods, for instance, you will put yourself into a competition mode with other people because luxury goods are making you play the status uh, race. So uh, we observe that after thinking about luxury goods, people are less cooperating with other people and they are more into a competition mode. They work more, they uh, spend less time on leisure, etc. It, it, it lasts, let's say, uh, one or two or a few days on. So I think uh, we need to find clever ways to make people think about certain aspects, let's, let's say sustainability aspects, before making their investment decisions. Let's say they watch documentaries about climate warming or about biodiversity loss. I'm sure it will affect the way they are making their financial decisions uh, in, in the coming days. So where do you think the responsibility lies here? Is it with public awareness? Is it education? And what would governments be able to do to prime citizens to be better impact investors? Or is this very much still an individual responsibility? No, no, it's a, it's an institutional responsibility because you are already primed. Um, now, uh, due to European regulation, when you want to buy a financial uh, product, you will be asked questions by the financial institution. This is called the MIFID II questionnaire sustainability questionnaire and uh, the financial questions come first and the sustainability questions come in a second time which means the questionnaire makes you think 
makes puts yourself into an economic and financial mode. So you are primed by the order of questions within the uh, regulatory questionnaire. So we are at 2DI, we are uh, challenging this, and we are advocating for a reversal of the order of questions. First, the sustainability questions, and then the financial questions. And the last thing I want to leave you with is sort of a general comment about the financial industry that Alex Hurst made. Remember, Alex is our average Joe retail investor. And he made me think that podcasts like the one you're listening to right now that try to open up the world of finance and investing to as many people as possible really are important and really do make a difference. We get to sort of broader philosophical debates about the stock market and sort of the financialization of the economy and what young people are really interested in pursuing and putting their tremendous potential and talents and passions into you could come at this from two different approaches. One is that we've put way too much focus on the market and you have this whole generation of brilliant young graduates leaving uh, great schools at the age of 22 and going straight to Wall Street instead of trying to solve some of the biggest, most pressing global issues. On the other hand, if only the wealthy are the ones who have access to knowledge about the stock market, then you're going to have the situation that's developed over the past several decades, which is the accelerating accumulation of wealth in the hands of a relatively few amount of people. Because if you sort of go back to Piketty's idea from capital in the 21st century, even though there's some new data that kind of questions it, uh, in general, the return on capital outpaces the growth of wages and the real economy. And so if you kind of keep this knowledge segmented, who are the people that benefit? Well, the 10% of people who in the United States own 80% of stocks. That brings us to the end of our last episode of My Fair Money, the Impact Investing Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and learning about impact investing with us. The podcast artwork is by Marina Labella, production is by Alexandra Tian, and the series is and was hosted by me, Kirill Hartog. Make sure to subscribe to 2DII on Facebook and follow My Fair Money on LinkedIn and that thing that Elon Musk wants you to call X. And do share your thoughts, feedback, and questions with us. And remember, money never sleeps, so don't sleep on your money.